Hello, hello, hello. Good afternoon, good evening, good morning. You're tuned in listening to the Cinematic Odyssey here on United to the Moose and uh, your favorite streaming platform of your choice. I'm here with uh, Max, um, Tristan, of course. And uh, yeah, we're here to talk about of one of my all-time favorite films. It's actually my top 10 favorite um, films of all time. It is Alfonso Cuaron's masterpiece, in my opinion. Ooh. Children of Men. 2006, I think, was when it released. It was, yeah, 06. Um, it's, man, it's a dense watch. It's a harrowing watch, but also kind of very... Um, positive there's like a light i guess a way to put it is like a light in the sea of darkness that's fair that's very fair i like that description yeah i mean it's it's a typical dystopian science fiction movie that falls into none of the predictable tropes that like oh no twist ending i know exactly how this is going to happen or um you know there there was no point where there was ever like that full security of like everything is okay now but there was the, there was that always that glimmer always that little bit of hope always the game was always changing halfway through which um i think makes makes this film very entertaining yeah, and also, I mean, a big props to Emmanuel Lubetsky, Lubetsky, I forget, I, I don't know how to pronounce his last name correctly, but the cinematographer of the film, they've, oh, yeah. they've collaborated several times throughout their careers. Um, but in this film, I mean, you know, Cuaron is particularly famous for his long takes, his like one shot long takes. That he likes to do, and there are a lot of those in this film. Oh yeah, a lot. And I mean, the the visual language of this film, like the way I don't know the way that it's shot, you would expect to see it in some like some like drama or something, because like what you see on screen doesn't match the. I guess the the observational kind of character that the camera um, takes upon, mm-hmm. but it's such a like perfect marriage of this very deliberate style towards the the way that they shot the film and what you see. Because there's there's some sequences in here that are just absolutely brilliant. I mean. It's, extremely well choreographed and directed like there's lots of things happening and it's just like you know it, it you know you have you seen 1917 the that I've, war film i've not okay well uh did you ever hear about like buzz about it how it's like looks like it's shot in one take the entire yes. film yeah so i mean there's cuts in the film but i think 
there's a lot of like i mentioned there's a lot of sequences that are just done in one take but i mean that's one aspect of it that i i really love and, and enjoy about it yeah uh, but there's a lot of things like it's it's a quite a um uh, it's a political film for one that's for sure um i would say do you agree i agree a little bit i mean i think it's there i think it's more of a moral film i mean a little bit piece about your um the cinematography so at some points it even felt like it was a a found footage film just with way mm-hmm. better camera quality yeah <laughs> um but like I, I, to- I absolutely see your point uh, of it being a political film. I don't think that it's the crux of the, the, the work. I think that um, I think that that falls onto a moral standpoint and that how, how far humanity and how far, um, you know, the, 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 the constr- when society crumbles, humans crumble with it. And that sort of who is truly a good person who is looking out for the best in people, or are we bound to do the worst things we can to the other people that we also share the world with Mm -hmm. just to either keep ourselves in power, keep ourselves safe, or, you know, do what we think is best. Yeah. Oh, no, most certainly. That's, that's certainly another thing I would say. Yeah, you're right. That's the the main point of the film and also kind of like, the biblical allegory um aspect of it which we'll get into um because we gotta like explain the setting of the film because you said it, it is a sci-fi dystopian yeah um piece but it's not like it's not like really your prototypical kind of dystopian film i mean it's somewhat post-apocalyptic but there's remnants of society still existing yeah like it's it's not like the world has completely destroyed itself. You know, there's no one alive. It's it's not like that. There's people that are alive, um, but society has collapsed in many ways. But it's still holding on to some threads. So basically, the film opens up. We see a a large crowd of people in a cafe. They're crowding around this TV, and we basically hear the news of this this boy at the age of like 18 uh baby diego as they called him died uh he was killed by a fan that wanted his autograph and so we quickly learned that there are no more babies there's no children anymore and that uh basically humanity is doomed to never exist after the last the youngest person dies when everybody else is dead um so life is finite at this point and most of the world has collapsed and the only country that seems to be in somewhat of a structured state is uh the uk united kingdom but even then uh and this is kind of what i was getting at with like the politics and whatnot because I mean, I mean, it's it's not the main crux of the film, but it is certainly a major player in terms of the themes and whatnot. Um, oh yeah. Because at this, I mean, at this point, the UK is like a totalitarian regime essentially, 
uh, very kind of restrictive. People are surveilled uh, quite extensively. Um, and, you know, there's a whole like uh, xenophobic aura of the way that they govern the country with the whole like illegal illegal immigrants and whatnot from various European countries or just people in general trying to go to the UK for um, safety. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of like there's like fascist elements to the, the way that the, uh, the government is set up um, yeah. and what we see in the film. Because it's like the the world building is incredible. I mean, it, the way that it looks, like the set design, it's it's. I mean, it's somewhat similar to what we experience, but it's like on a whole nother level of like dirtiness, grittiness. Like yeah. you can tell there's something off about the way things look and behave. Exactly. But it looks. It's not like too far out. Like you could, you could, you see what you're saying, and you can imagine that becoming a reality. Yeah, you know, like the the it's the the amount of disarray that uh, Quaron is able to show us in the very beginning, the very very short beginning of this this film uh, helps to like kind of put up where we are. Like if if we are in this country, America, and you know we understand that. There are some folks from, you know, either hostile governments or places where they are being persecuted and they are making their way to us um, for asylum and for refuge. That's okay. We can try to help because, you know, we are, I should say we should try to help, I think, because to send them back there would mean certain death or or torture or worse. and there there is that balance of the amount of nations that are experiencing peace and are experiencing um a functional government a functional society within them uh they're able to you know offset that imbalance there is no there are firm borders there are you know ways to immigrate all these things that allow you know people or should allow people to immigrate and seek refuge um in countries like the United States, like Great Britain, uh, right now. In this world, the balance is kind of flipped. Most of the world is in complete disarray. There's a flip through a television of just uh, chaos and um, uh, bloodshed, fire, disruption, uh, destruction. Uh, every Every government is falling and unable to save itself and like you said britain is one of the few if only to actually maintain its governmental structure which means that this small little island nation in europe is now dealing with you know if they have structure and they have order everybody has lost structure and order um america france uh belgium germany uh romania Every place, I mean, every country in the Middle East has lost that that state stability. They're all streaming towards Britain, and Britain either has to change fast and let them all in, or they have to adopt this totalitarian regime of nothing personal, but if you all come in, 
we are going to fall too. And that I think it's like a dangerous line to walk of being absolutely cruel to other humans while also saying this will help us in the long run. Yeah. Yeah, because you see, I mean, the film doesn't shy away from showing like the inhumane acts that these uh, immigration order officers uh, do to to these immigrants. Yeah, I mean, we don't see it on screen, but we see like dead bodies, you know, after they were executed, and um, you know, because we suspect them to be terrorists and whatnot. Because there's this faction of um people called the fishes who our main character theo has somewhat of a relationship with through his ex-wife ex-girlfriend who's played by julianne moore julian um but yeah this like political faction they kind of stand for uh equal rights for all the immigrants and whatnot Uh, so they're they're anti-government um, activists but they they kind of go through some power struggle vacuum that we witness in the film uh due to like a like a a quote-unquote backstabbing event or like a uprising or whatever but uh yeah i mean the film doesn't shy away from distinguishing like who you know who's persecuted who's like not you know but even then like even those that are residents of the country like our you know theo he is a british british citizen even then like for them there's still not a lot of liberties um uh for for like just regular british citizens and then yeah and then um but basically so we see the film start up baby diego dies the cafe that he was in actually blows up immediately yeah. like after he comes out. Um, and then uh, this, the title screen comes up, Children of Men. I mean, what a way to start that film. I mean, it's very quick, but like it sets the tone very, very well. Uh, this is not a film that you're going to like come away and be happy. Yeah, that's accurate. That's yeah. Um, but I guess you'll be, at least for me, I, w- I mean, every time, cause this is like my fifth time watching it. I, 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 I love this film. So I'm, I'm always like blown away by it, but yeah. Yeah. So we see Theo, uh, he's like a government worker, yep. uh, for like the ministry of energy and, um, He's like he tells his boss like the the death of Pape Diego is really affecting me more than I expected. And he's he's totally lying. He doesn't even care. He he thinks it's complete BS. Like, do really do people care that much? Um which people do care, like actually care. And it's interesting to see that. Like yeah. the way that society reacts to his death. He's baby diego is killed by the news says a fan yeah. so like there's that that 
degree of zealotry, that degree of idol idolization of the youngest person to exist because, you know, ordinarily, I mean, I, at one point in time, I've been the youngest person alive. Uh, it's just that somebody came after me, like yeah. probably a few seconds, maybe less than that after me, which stripped me of that title. Now, if no, there was nobody else and I was still the youngest person on earth, that'd be like something to flex. It'd be like, I mean, we all probably know who the, well, I mean, I shouldn't say we all know who the oldest person is, but like the title of oldest person is, you know, that thing, because we understand that, you know, life is finite and to have lived so long is impressive. <laughs> that so many people are are following the life of this person who's basically the, the most recent person to have been born i mean not only is it like impossible in this world unless of course some mutation causes mass infertility but um that that degree of i don't want to call it hope but it's like Baby Diego refused an autograph from a fan and as a result got stabbed. So it's that another degree of just kind of mania and the loss of, you know, societal mor morality. You know, there, it's just that one more step down the rabbit hole into not caring what other people do and what other people... uh not caring about other people. I mean. Yeah, it's like complete madness. Yes. Because, I mean, think about it. I mean, if that were to happen, God forbid, I hope that it doesn't, because that would be very bad. Uh, like, if, if what we see children in were to happen, I mean, that would be, that would break the entire world. You know? I mean, like, think about it. Like, if no one can have children anymore, like, everybody would go crazy. Because, I mean, that's, it's, like, completely changing the way we th think of, like, life and death. And if there's no more children, humanity as a whole will become extinct after, like, a hundred years. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You know, in barring some like miracle like we see in this film yeah um <clears throat> so so yeah so we see baby diego dying and i think also to add to that like he's he's kind of a reminder of what used to be a normal life before the mass infertility infertility started mm -hmm. Uh, he's kind of like that last beacon of youth that that people had in their in their lives, yeah. and so you know he dies, and it's like, well, <laughs> yeah, it's been eighteen years since someone's been born, and then immediately after, like in the same news program, they're like, so the next youngest person to be alive right now, and then they just kind of it's like the cycle repeats. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so yeah, we get a very clear understanding of the stakes of the world 
you know what what's going on why are the way things they are it's 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 great um and then uh yeah we Theo goes to his like friend's house father i don't even know is it his dad it's not made clear their like relationship jasper yeah jasper and jasper's wife he's a friend i that's as far as i'm aware like an acquaintance a friend yeah i mean they they're they're close per, close personal acquaintances i should say like yeah. like they're like confidants yeah yeah they're like each other's best best friend best person that they they trust they trust each other very well and so he goes to his house to hang out and um we see this like shot of their their like lie their careers as journalists. So Jasper was a journalist and his wife was a photojournalist and they covered the kind of the start of the infertility um thing starting. And then um I guess they uncovered some governmental secrets or whatever. And his wife was tortured by the MI5. And she cannot, she's like in a vegetative state where she can't speak. She can't emote. She literally has like poker face 24-7, 365. And she's wheelchair bound. So she's kind of like existing. I mean, I I don't know like what psychological thing happened to her, but something bad. And so it's kind of just, you know, Jasper chilling in his. It's quite, it's quite a secret place. Yeah. In a, like a compound almost. It's hidden from the road. He's got like fake bushes and everything in front of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like the amount of time you would have to spend to move the fake bushes, bring your car in and then put the fake bushes back somebody's bound to come down that road it's like off a highway yeah yeah but it's not a well-traveled road clearly but like you know i mean yeah the risk the risk is there that's for sure absolutely but um yeah my jasper is played by michael kane and i mean i don't i don't know if like this is kind of his usual thing from early in his career but i think at this point in his career I mean, he's most well known for his like serious roles in Christopher Nolan films, you know, like Alfred. Because I, I mean, this was just before he started doing that. But like, you know, once he started doing that, he kind of his, I guess, the way that his career is defined. He's more defined by that than his earlier works. Yeah. But either way, he's he's great in this. He's hilarious because he's like. He's kind of like this, this old dude who's kind of accepted what's going on, and he's just kind of trying to make the best of life as as what it is. He's a stoner. Yeah, he, I mean, yeah, he grows weed. Michael Caine said that he based it on his experience with uh, John Lennon. Oh, really? Yep. <laughs> and and he was just like. They put him in like the, the drug rug and the kind of the clothes that, that his, his character wears. He's got the long hair too and everything. And he was just kind of like feeling it out and becoming this kind of 
loosey goosey guys, like, you know, in, in imagining in a Cockney accent, pull my finger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we learn about like the human project, which is this organization that does or doesn't exist. Basically, they're trying to find a cure for infertility. And um, we we see that um, we see the first glimpse of like Theo and he had a son for the like the, the flu virus, whatever outbreak in 2008 that kind of wiped out um, um, in, uh, pregnancies across the globe. Yeah. And he had a he had his kid with Julian, who we who we soon find out because it's like, you know, so he goes to, and then he gets like kidnapped. Yeah, he gets kidnapped by the fishes, because basically we learn that um, his ex wife, let's just say ex wife Julian Julian, needs his help because well one he's the only person that she can trust, but they hadn't seen each other in twenty years. So it had been 20 years since they have last seen each other. He's like the only person that she can trust to do this mission. Basically, all he needs to do is get transit papers uh, for to smuggle some some girl uh, to Brighton. Or not to Brighton, to wherever. Somewhere on the southern coast of England. Uh, I think, yeah. Yeah, it, it's... Um, the place is called Bexel-on-Sea. Uh, but I, I almost thought it was France just because I saw somebody flying a French flag, though I think that might have been inside the refugee. Oh, Bex Hill. Yeah, 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 Bex Hill. Um, but anyways, so yeah, we we meet them, and he reluctantly agrees. He doesn't really want to do it, but he he kind of needs money, so he does it anyways. And he has this cousin... And this is one of my favorite like sequences in the film is uh, when the court of the Crimson King starts playing from uh, King Crimson, right? Yes, that's the band name, right? I should, I definitely should know this. Absolutely. Yes, King I'll, Crimson. I'll, I'll, I'll look. But keep, keep rolling. Yeah, and so uh, we see, we see Theo in a Rolls Royce driving through London. The song starts, and we see like. You know the impoverished people, like the working class people of of London, and then he goes into this kind of very secure part of the city. And in the secure part of the city, you see like the ultra wealthy, the ultra powerful of England, kind of just chilling, like as if nothing changed. You know, despite the fact that they can't have kids anymore, but like. You see, you see them living life leisurely, like you know, there's no problems in the world. Like they're kind of in this bubble, protected out, protected away from the kind of the horrors that are going on outside of those uh, those kind of metaphorical walls um, and physical wall to barrier, because you you kind of have to be a special person across this gate to get into that section of the city. Yeah, but basically, he has his cousin, who is who is collecting art pieces from around the world, like the most important art pieces, uh, and called the Ark of the Arts, which is in the um, the 
the battery energy building, like that famous industrial energy building coal plant that's no longer in use in London. It's on the cover of Pink Floyd's Animals um, with the pig, that balloon pig floating above it, that building. And basically asks his cousin for some transit papers. And he gets some. But they're joint transit papers. So that means he needs to smuggle this girl himself. Yeah. And so that's that's when the uh the real show starts to begin. <laughs> and man, is it one hell of a ride because I, the dials turn to 10 uh, once that happens. And uh, what we begin to watch is extremely tense. And I mean, action packed, but not like uh, it's not like, you know, it's not like Mission Impossible action. You know what I mean? It's not like a spectacle. But it's it's very kind of grounded and realistic. Like it's very violent too. It's extremely violent. Um, but basically, what begins is the journey to t- take this girl to her destination. I mean, as like you said with the Mission Impossible. I mean, the stakes in both Children of Men and like a Mission Impossible kind of movie is that the stakes are life and death, and that you know, it's it's desperately important that our hero or at least our um, protagonist, succeed in their goal. In Mission Impossible, it's to keep the good people in power, to avoid that negative um, effect, and you know, keep society in this, this state where it is functional and good and working. Children of Men, it's the opposite. They're, you're working against the destruction and you believe that you know working for this and smuggling this girl out can actually help reverse that process uh children of men the structure is gone this is trying to reverse that effect as opposed to prevent it from happening which is a more hopeful journey but it's also something that that i think it, it invested me a little bit more than one that was like to keep the status quo uh, because not only is it important that they succeed, but it's important that they succeed and then the world starts to improve. Yeah. Because like, I mean, so these, this woman, this girl that is pregnant and by the way, the way we figure out that she's pregnant because it's kind of like a mystery as to why she's important. Yeah. And then we find out, that she's pregnant in a in a pretty powerful way um and but like the fishes want to use her as like a political tool so they can kind of ignite this kind of revolution among uh the people the immigrants specifically to fight back against the british government but the main leader, which is Julian, she doesn't want that. She she wants to make it known that there is somebody that's pregnant. We do have 
a way out of this and let's like try to find a solution to kind of restore the world back to its normal place like not i mean yes use it in in some political capacity but there's two like kind of factions within the fishes one well one is just like one person alone julian and then everybody else and everybody else wants to use her use use the baby to kind of start this revolution yeah um and and kind of like disregard the grave importance that the baby holds because again i mean no baby has been born in 18 years and it's like when the world is uh known that a baby has been born like that will change everything yeah Um, yeah that faction of the fishes is choosing to forego the fact that the baby will ideally be born and that the world could be improved. Like you said, they're choosing to forget about that to instead bring to light the human rights issue at hand, which is the fact that the potential savior of the human race is this African woman refugee uh, from a destroyed country um who was able to you know bear a child and that that bit of you know the savior of the human race won't even be allowed into this country is you know the fact that we won't allow, assist these these refugees assist them in 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 what they need and try and bring stability outward and push that out and try and you know you know, save the world a little bit that way and treat all human beings with respect and dignity. They go the human rights route and they want to use that baby as the symbol of saying, you know, these people that we reject can do value, can be valuable. Which is true. I mean, that's true. They're right. Absolutely true. But it's, it's not the, it's treat everybody well then save the planet as opposed to save the planet and then improve treatment which well i think yeah i mean it's weird think... to say that you know it feels weird to say you know oh it's okay to be awful to people and execute them uh in the name of saving the human race because it kind of just cancels out well i think i think the the approach that julian had um at least her thinking was like if once made public that a baby has been born um and that it's from an african woman and and it's a girl too because i think there's like oh yeah i think it's like flipping the uh messianic story like the story of christ on its head um in some ways i mean it's not like it's kind of recontextualizing that story in a in a modern modern context i think i don't know i may be wrong on that but i mean there there are plenty of signs everyone does the sign of the cross everyone either says that it does that or says jesus christ when they find out um i mean key the girl she initially jokes that that she's a virgin mm-hmm. yeah uh, she shows theo so like 
there is definitely, I mean, even when they're in the refugee camp and he is uh, guiding key through, um, to the, the, the a building that they would eventually uh, be able to sleep in for the night. It gave me serious Joseph and Mary. Is there any room in the inn vibes? Yeah. Yeah. Which I think absolutely Quaron was trying to go for a little. Oh, bit. no, most definitely. Yeah. And I think I, I kind of, it's, it's, you know, cause I mean, I'm, I'm a Christian and it's, it's cool to see like that story in this type of setting like because it bring i mean it, it talks you know the film talks about uh you know the sanctity of life and especially in that context and the, the context of the film in that world where it's vitally important that this baby stays alive and that the mother stays alive because ultimately she was one that got pregnant so that means she doesn't have the disease that's you know prevents her from getting pregnant um and probably the baby as well which is a girl by the way so that means she could probably bear children when you know she's old enough obviously yeah and um they could be the cure to infertility and you know and the saviors of the world essentially um and it's i, I think it's like a, it's brilliant and, and it's kind of like a cool kind of take on on that on that story you know especially with she being uh a marginalized marginalized group like a demographic um not even like not only in that world but this world too like in our reality yeah um and that the baby is a is a girl yeah so there's that there's that aspect to it too Quaron even said that um he being African uh, is a nod to the fact that, you know, scientifically um, human life likely began in Africa and, mm -hmm. and, and took hold first in there. So it's that repeat of these are the first humans to exist. This is uh, the race that they were. This is how they looked. This is uh, how, where, where we all came from yeah and and it's a nod uh, a little bit of a nod to that as well mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah i mean i mean like we got to talk about the car car scene yes and we got to i mean we got to i i, I mean it start it starts off with uh this kind of radio uh ex excerpt this guy on the radio is talking about like you know, let's let's take a blast to the past or whatever to the year two thousand three when people. What did he say? He says like when people didn't think about tomorrow or something like that, or didn't know what was going to happen tomorrow. I forget exactly what he says, but he's he alludes to kind of this this mentality of when people took for granted life, you know, or yeah. like they, they weren't, ex you know, they didn't expect like tomorrow was going to be the last day that there would be any more babies born, that type of thing. 
and um so that that kind of starts the scene off and you know we see them drive and they're having fun julian and theo are doing this thing they used to do when they were together with the ping pong and whatnot and then um immediately after that peak this car on fire stops them in their track and then we we feast upon our eyes this kind of the static camera that moves in 360 degrees in the car all in one take too by the way and we see a huge crowd of people running down from the forest onto the road trying to stop the car trying to you know kill the people in there except for the driver and key obviously and so we you know we see all this occurring and i i mean my words can barely like put this to justice i mean you have to see this you know to get the full effect um and so we see all the this mass of people like crowding onto the car trying to stop the car they're throwing stuff at it hitting the windows whatnot and then we see a motorcycle come up to the car with two guys on it they're trying to stop it Wendell pulls a gun out he shoots julian kills her and they end up getting away and they're driving So they're driving in reverse this entire time. They're like trying to get away and they get away eventually. And we, you know, Theo literally loses the love of his life just like that. And now we're, now it's kind of like, okay, what's going on? Um, what, what now? And so they end up going to the safe house, but before they get there, they get, over by the police the guy luke is his name played by shawatel uh ochifor i think is his last name something like that he's in 12 years a slave that's his like most famous role he's also Uh, in love actually oh really oh yeah (laughs) oh dude everybody's in that movie that's true if he's british (laughs) he's probably in there (laughs) um but yeah oh by the way theo is played by Clive Owen, who isn't in much. He's not in really a lot of movies. Um, this is probably like his most well-known work that he's been in, from what I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I mean, the other thing that I see, he was in Inside Man with Spike Lee. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, he's not. He hasn't been in a ton. I mean, I shouldn't say a ton of. A ton. He, he's been. I'm looking at his credits. There's a lot, but not a ton of um, well-known or super popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Works. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and so they end up going to a safe house on someone's farm, and then they immediately like do a vote for the next leader of the fishes. Luke is voted as the leader. Um, and then we see Theo finding out that Key is pregnant. And they go to bed, yada, yada, yada. And then in the middle of the night, these two dudes on the motorcycle show up to the house. 
and they're yelling because this dude's brother is dying because they kicked one of the car doors and they like made him crash. So I think in the crash, she like gravely injured, got injured. And we're like, oh, no. Uh oh. Mutiny. Mutiny. Within the fishes. <laughs> Do my fish impression. That was my fish impression. No, no, no. I don't even know if that was audible. Uh, no, it may be. I, yeah. I slightly heard a pop. Really. There we go. That that was the goal. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. So we find out that they're gonna kill Theo the next day, the next morning. They're gonna keep the key. Um. Oh well, I guess it's important to discuss that before this happened. They have like a town hall kind of meeting where everybody's there, and they're like trying to figure out what to do with Key and the baby. Because at this point, Key is like about to give birth very soon. He's yeah, um, eight months along. Yeah. And um, so they, they kind of they kind of talk about like what to do, whether or not to stay at the house. You know, she gives birth there, uh, make it public as Theo suggests. And then they all get mad at him because and I, and I think they're they're certainly correct in having this opinion where it's like, you know, if they if they give her to the UK government, they there's kind of a sign of you know there's there's mistrust in the government, and I completely understand their perspective with that with regards to that, um, because you know, uh, considering like the, of oh, uh, the the immigration situation going on in that country you know they would they would probably take key away from her baby yep and uh you know separate them and whatnot so so i completely understand why they're they're pretty anti giving this to the uk government um yeah but but despite that their intentions as i mentioned earlier is to solely use the baby as like a political tool to start this revolution yeah um rather than like trying to you like not use her but actually give her to the correct people which is the human project which was what julian wanted to do uh, so they can figure out a cure for infertility um which is not what which is not what uh, Luke and everybody else wants to do. They don't want to do that. They don't want that. Because why you would know? they? I mean, there's that that dynamic of. I mean, I I think they even say it. It's like the they they would take the baby away and set her up and make it look like a posh British woman uh, actually had the child. Yeah, and, and yeah. like keep that sense of national pride and keep that sense of you know we're better than all of them because we have structure we have society and we we're able we're able to get this baby first and we can still say you know f you to all everybody of else yeah everybody else yeah exactly i mean they want to ensure that that doesn't happen 
but it, I, 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 I mean, the fact that the baby causes so much shock, awe, and like a, basically a ceasefire in the end, um, or at least you know enough of an of a ceasefire for the um, for Theo and Key to escape. It, it it doesn't you know it, it it strikes me as odd that they wouldn't um make it public i mean i understand not wanting to make it public and bringing so much scrutiny on key and on the baby and you know then you have another baby diego thing where you know oh key the one person who was recently fertile uh is stabbed by a fan because she wouldn't sign an autograph yeah i i understand that you know not wanting the publicity but also i understand not wanting to go public until like the human project has fully created yeah done their thing yeah Yeah. um but yeah once because uh because basically you know once theo learns that they're gonna kill him they gotta leave. They gotta flee, and they escape the the safe house, and then they go to Jasper's house, and um, we have a pretty revealing conversation about Theo's past with regards to his child and his um, his ex wife, and you know we kind of have this philosophical discussion about faith and chance. Where Jasper kind of goes about, like, you know, their faith brought them together at this political rally, but by chance they met, and by chance they had a baby, and then by chance the baby was killed by the flu pandemic that broke out. And um, that kind of broke not only their relationship that they had with each other, but it also broke the kind of spirit that Theo once had in his youth about this like political kind of activist um, attitude when it comes to, you know, fighting for the rights of others. Yeah. But as the film progresses, we kind of see that side of him come out and he's kind of like, there's, there's, you know, there's certain shots and things that happen um, and like a motif that regularly occurs where there's pets that always gravitate towards him. Um, yeah. I don't know what that necessarily means. I mean, it's certainly a good thing. Yeah, I would say so. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what exactly that, that is like referring to, but I, I get the sense of like when I'm watching it, Theo is someone that he's like one of the very few people that can do this thing and that is to keep he alive and send her to the correct people to take her to where she needs to be and that's why julian made it very clear to key that this is the only person that you can trust there's no one else you can trust and theo theo will Make sure that you will um, be taken to where you need to go. Yeah, I think it's also that that not only is it 
I mean, he is unwilling to help in the beginning. He is set that he has moved past this, you know, belief in, in rebellion and in, you know, the fish mission, but he, uh, he, between the slow reveal of what the stakes are, I mean, he doesn't really care about this girl. What makes her so special? Who gives a crap? I'm going to just, I could just treat her like another person and just be like, well, I'm going to wash my hands and be absolutely done with you when we're done. You know, if you die, I guess I fail, but you know, who cares to understanding that she is pregnant and then getting to say, Oh, I have to, I will do literally moving heaven and earth to make sure that nothing bad happens and as that happens you see i think we see a little bit more hope in him Mm -hmm. that he's always willing to try and get them out of the situation that uh he will do and say whatever he can to keep the two of them together uh and that that works to save them that he always has now his eye open on throwing his life behind this cause I mean, he, they're on a bus in, in the refugee camp and, you know, they're about to grab her off of the bus. These, these militant police, uh, uh, the enforcers of the camp. And he tells her, Hey, you know, don't, don't grab her. She peed on the seat here, smell. And it basically just drives the officer away. Like that, that ability to, he basically uses himself as a human shield yeah. to protect her. It, it that, that, I mean, it's not that he wants to, but it's out of pure necessity that he begins to act and throw his, his life behind this cause. Yeah. He's, he's sort of, he's, he's in, in to, you know, from the perspective of he, he's like Christ. He is her savior in that way. He's the he is the ultimate sacrifice for her living and for the baby, the baby's life to be preserved, um, and to ultimately save humanity. Because yeah. that's what the stake is. I mean, <laughs> she dies, the baby dies. That's it. There's nothing. I mean, it's literally a miracle. It's a miracle. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I mean, it's life and death. I mean, it's not like it'll, um, I guess, actively change Theo's life because the people that he loved are all dead. You know, Jasper gets killed because the the fishes find out where he's at. Um, and obviously, Julian died. So, like, at this point, he's the only thing that's keeping him going is to, you know, keep Key alive and to make sure that what's done is done. And, you know, and that's kind of like his purpose in life. Or that was his like ultimate purpose. He just didn't really know it because he was going through life every day, kind of mundane things, you know, just going to work, trying to survive, trying to make the best of life at this point. And, uh, you know, one not, and not really kind of have this greater sense of purpose 
because he he used to have that, but then it was taken away, or he kind of lost it after his child died, and so now it's back, and now he 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 feels moved to do something. Yeah. Um. I mean, there was. Uh, I mean, I don't know how where you're about to jump with this, but there is uh another camera shot that i am i was absolutely kind of stunned by stunned by um and it is in the refugee camp that long cut as uh thea was trying to regain or, or, or retake key because the fishes take her um that shot there i don't know if you want if you want to jump oh out. yeah 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 when he's running away from the gunfire and stuff you talking about that yeah and he's yeah, heading, yeah he's heading back towards the building yeah and there is someone gets shot near near him and there is a a blood spatter and yeah when he's on the bus no no i don't think so no this no no because no, no, I'm talking about the specific one. The blood spatter sticks to the camera lens. Yeah. And it follows that shot. He is he's off. Oh, yes. He goes inside like a, an abandoned bus. There's a bunch of people in there. Yes, he's not riding yeah. the bus. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that. That is. Haunting a because it kind of puts us there, puts blood on our face as we're watching this happen. And it, you know. It also, you know, I was keeping an eye on this, like to see how long they're gonna go keeping this blood on the camera. And it's a long again, like you said, it's a long, uninterrupted shot, which is yeah. impressive. But like I thought that that was I that fourth wall break is so cool. Just just as a matter of, you know bringing us into what we think about the senseless taking of life in this. yeah there are so many deaths in this movie it's not even funny yeah and it's like it's so brutal it's so brutal exactly like we, we see a majority of them like oh, yeah. we, we see the process we don't just see this you know cut and then someone falling we see them like get shot in the mm. head and there's that that raw footage mixed with i think every single nearly every single main character or or at least person who has significant lines in the show in the movie dies as well as so many other countless refugees um police officers enforcement agents you know military civilians yeah random civilians yeah the amount of death in this movie is insane about one for the hope of preservation of life yeah yeah i mean yeah because the moment yeah the moment they get into bexhill which is essentially an open-air prison really i mean that's basically what it is it's like terrible living conditions like literally people from around the world like huddled in this one spot of england just trying to kind of survive essentially 
like no one no one seems to be happy maybe except for that like old russian couple that we see <laughs> like they're in their 80s 90s you know that they're on the they're on the edge of their they're basically almost dead almost going to die yeah soon and um well yeah i mean the reactions of the um that one border officer that lets him in sid that irish dude or scottish dude or whatever that lets him in um refers to himself in the third person yeah yeah and uh jasper sold him weed yep yeah and um jasper told theo to tell him that he was a fascist pig when when he pulled up to the school Oh yeah, because <laughs> like basically they had they had no possible way to reach the human project. The only way was to go to Bex Hill, and you know, on its face, it's like a ridiculous, con- like ridiculous plan, like break into prison. I mean, that's hilarious. Um, yeah, he's and- like, I don't got any beef. Usually, I'm trying to get people out. Or I'll hey, yeah, yeah, out. yeah. Um, you're on your own yeah exactly so yeah and also too I, I, I'd like to mention like Miriam the midwife of oh, Key yes, yes, yes. her conversation about um, when she started to figure out that a lot of key, like women were getting miscarriages because she worked at uh, like a pregnancy clinic or whatever um, before the world went to went down the toilet, yeah, and um, you know, she's talking about her experience, like finding out that no one, the people that are pregnant, are getting miscarriages, like left and right, front and center, like it's happening all over the world, and they only managed to save a few babies, but not that many. And um, yeah, and like the it's shot in a in a an abandoned elementary school. Yep. And we see Key on a swing set, and like the way that the shot is framed, where she's like off on the left, you know, kind of perfectly through the hole in a broken pane of glass. Yeah, and they're having this conversation on the right. That was. And so like funny. when she, you know, when she talks about. Particularly when she says, you know, once this, the sounds of the playground started to fade, it start, the reality started to set in for everybody like, wow, uh, this is very bad. <laughs> um, because like, you know, children as us adults kind of view them, I mean, we generally we see children as like this kind of we we see them from our perspective as this innocent life of pure joy and creativity and um you know as they get older and as we experience the you know we learn the realities of life the older we get and then we kind of lose that innocence we lose that joy that that childlike wonder um that you can never get back and uh you know losing that aspect of life is such a 
it's such a like jarring thing to think about. I mean, you know, because like from their perspective in that world, like when they there was no more children, you know, it's it's like it's so hard to wrap your mind around that because it's such a thing that's so normal to us. And then you be you know people begin to realize like, you know, they're in their infatuation with the youngest person in the world. It's like they're trying to appreciate as much as possible the youth they're trying to appreciate life as much as they can um and like truly kind of speak out for the sanctity of life because once it's gone it's gone you can't get it back and like when people you know that that same mantra is repeated when you know everyone sees the baby in that building like ceasefire begins no one like the war the battle is essentially stopped and made it to a screeching halt because at that point it's irrelevant like politics is irrelevant because now there's hope and the baby represents that hope that that key finally off i mean she's named key um uh that key to Potentially curing infertility and saving humanity is right, you know, right, right there in front of their eyes, and it's it's so brilliant. I mean, you know, to us when you we hear a crying baby, it's like a nuisance, but when you stop hearing that and you don't see any more of that, and you hear it after twenty, nearly twenty years, it's a miracle. And it's you know the the film brilliantly lays that out, and it's like that that's dude that scene when they're walking down the stairs and walking out of the building. Oh my god, that is so powerful, stunning. It's amazing, dude. Wow, it's so moving. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's wonderful because everyone, refugee soldier police officer like everyone just kind of shuts up stops firing and just watches this little child come down in the arms of of key and and uh forgot his name for theo theo yeah theo yeah they're watching them just walk out and it's it's that kind of it's not even like a it's not like a respectful um, like salute to power or something like that. It is just an awestruck shock. Holy crap. Kind of moment. That's just, you know, absolutely. Caught everybody by surprise. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, because everything leading up to that moment is just pure chaos, violence, like everyone's going insane. People are dying left and right. (laughs) And it's like, you see all this death. Like, yeah, like you mentioned, a lot, a lot of death. Um, Oof. Yeah. And Julian, uh, Jasper. Yeah, and it's like it it's weighing the mood down even further and further. And you know and it's like 
oh my god, she could probably die because she gets kidnapped by the fishes and she's taken to this building. Yeah, which is not safe. No, that was not safe. It was such a smart decision by them. Really, yeah, not safe at all. Um, to do that, (laughs) to put her in the the line of fire because you know the military, the British military, have tanks and stuff. They have artillery, whereas the fishes don't. You know, they're just kind of infantry. They have conventional weapon. Well, everything's conventional weapons, but like just rifles and stuff like that. But like the occasional rocket launchers, we see them blow up uh, like a like an APC or something. But yeah, you know, she's in this building, and at any point she could die. You know. And then, well, so what was the point? You know, what good did you get out of that? You didn't get anything out of that. The baby's dead. She's dead now. Like it says, if nothing happened, nothing changed. Um, because like they're trying to get on a boat to take her to the human project because they have a ship ready to be on like the coast to pick her up and to you know treat her and whatnot. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, she's probably gonna die. Well, there was that, but you know, by some miracle, again, Theo makes it inside the building and rescues her. And um, just by sheer chance, she narrowly escapes death because where she was sitting, like seconds after they get away from there, a tank, a tank shell blows that place up. Oh yeah. Yeah, so she would have been dead if she was still there like a minute longer. Um and then we and then the beautiful sequence begins immediately after that when the baby's crying. Um and ripped to that baby's ears, man. Poor poor girls probably deaf. But <laughs> it was it was loud. I I, yeah. I I maybe had my volume up too loud. It was loud crying. But you know, for me, a baby crying is an everyday occurrence, not the first I've heard it in 18 years. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, props, props to the, like, um, man, everyone that worked on it, like all the extras and stuff, you know, the reactions to the, to the baby. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I don't know, was the baby like, I mean, obviously when the baby was born, that whole like pregnancy sequence was obviously CGI. It looked pretty good. It looked pretty good. Um, it didn't look like... I mean, it was clearly CGI, obviously. It didn't look like uncanny valley type thing. I don't know if it did to you. I mean... When Key gave birth. I didn't know how they did it because I was impressed um, with the lifelike kind of motion. I'm assuming animatronic, honestly. Oh, um, really? I'm assuming that rather than a, a, a puppet, um, mostly because I don't see um, Clive Owen's arms moving or muscles tensing or anything while while holding the child, and so I, I feel like if it's getting that 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 motion, you know, independent of a physical control, it's either you know a marionette, which I doubt, or an animatronic. I thought it was CGI or like a CGI overlay, probably. 
that's yeah most also, definitely that's also that's a good idea yeah decent thought yeah but then i wonder if like after the birthings scene like if it was like replaced with a real baby yeah mm, uh maybe I, mean, I don't think so i mean i don't think that there has been a um I don't think that they would. I don't think they would need to replace it because they they just have then have the bundle with the head, mm-hmm. especially with the amount of. I mean, yes, it's like prop explosions and everything, but the amount of like, if you're taking a real baby, yeah, that's true. In into the field there, like you're you, if you're gonna use a real baby, you're gonna use it in something like you know, Father of the Bride or Mama Mia, where it's not like crazy. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't let my my newborn, you know, be on the set of Children of Men while. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, that's a good point. Are exploding and everything because even <laughs> with the prop stuff, that's got to be really freaking loud. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, that's true. So it's probably just like a puppet or something, like a like a clay, like some type of model. You know that looks ultra realistic. Yeah, it's probably overlaid with some VFX. I mean, it's got to be. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. It's just the way that the film looks, like the color grading. You know, it's something like too exciting. It's pretty gray and dull. But like again, it adds to this very you know this atmosphere of like kind of uneasiness and despair, and. And, uh, you know, yeah, it adds to this uh, very overwhelming sense of doom. And there's no hope. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, man, it's just brilliant. It's just absolutely brilliant. I just can't. It's a very well shot film. I mean, I, I I don't have much. I mean, I'll be honest. I didn't. I my my main gripe in the moment was why is the government being so cruel to these strangers? You know, executing them for a, literally just existing. Like illegal immigration is technically is like a crime, but it's not one of those ones where you expect to be put to death for it. And I, I'm I was kind of like oh, I don't understand the uh, the climb into severity and why you need to basically just extinguish. I mean, at train stations you got people in cages. Like, well, I think I think I think um, I I didn't get that. I mean, a little bit more. It makes sense with the um, destruction of every society. But I mean, like, given oh no, what are you gonna say? No, I mean, it, it, it's really just like. I didn't see the the need to be as cruel just just based on the fact that no children have been born. Well, I think um well, I mean, again, it's it's made very clear at the beginning that the rest of the world has kind of devolved into chaos. Yeah. And the UK seemingly seems to be the only country that is somewhat existing in a somewhat peaceful state. And and I think we kind of alluded to it earlier where, you know, in that world, 
where everything has fallen to complete this array and everyone's trying to go to um the uk and given that there are you know the fishes who would bomb as they admit they would bomb like places in the uk and so you know the uk government's like trying to sniff out uh terrorist threats or threats to you know their kind of their order of things um i get to use the word national security uh, as an excuse to just bomb minorities yeah i mean unironically yes that's what they that's what they are doing i mean they are acting in a very kind of fascist way um i mean it's not like it's not like we're no stranger to it today you know no, I mean, true. you know, American tr- American treatment of immigrants isn't very good either. I mean, it's not it's not to the level where we're executing them. Hopefully, but yeah, hopefully. <laughs> um, but it's not like immigrants are treated very well at uh, the borders and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, except obviously for European immigrants. Um, but that's beside that's a discussion for another time. But anyways, everyone, everyone immigrating to the UK is being persecuted. So there's no discrimination in that one, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I respect it, you know, to be so progressive that you actively just kill everybody <laughs> that isn't you. I mean, yeah, no, it's horrible. That's at some degree of progress. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I'm kidding. It's horrible regardless. It doesn't matter the color of your skin, the nature of your beliefs. You're all going to be killed by the British government. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Like, oh, and it's just so, so senseless. Like, if if we're talking about preserving life, they're kind of just literally shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah. Or yeah. I, I could say just shooting others in the face. Like, yeah, they're just if the if the goal is to preserve humanity, fail. Like mm-hmm. you're you're actively failing. But it, but I mean, again, I think this this talks about like that kind of aspect of human nature, right? Where we're selfish and we want power and those in power wanted to keep that they wanted to keep this this in group yeah and they wanted to maintain their their wealth their power and they didn't want any threats to that so they basically were like you know what if you're not a british citizen already we're just gonna make life for you a living hell and and you're just gonna have to deal with that because we want to maintain um our power because again, as you very quickly see, when it when it comes to everyone versus the like one percent, um, there's quite an imbalance there in terms of like how many people would fight against the British government in that instance, which yeah. would pretty much be everybody. I mean, they're all like fed up with how they're being treated rightfully so yeah and you know all they're asking for is to be treated like equally 
as human beings and you know kind of disarm and demilitarize the police you know this police state and um kind of chill out you know let's let's relax here let's let's treat each other like human beings um but yeah i mean that's basically why they do the things that they do you know what i mean yeah exactly you, you, yeah you, so you see you see why like it's very cruel like in yeah. the film like why it's depicted very cruelly yeah the cruelty and whatnot so i mean it's the natural progression of things you know as the in-group gets smaller and smaller like people are going to try to rise to the top and in order to do that is to get rid of groups of people that they don't view themselves as or they don't view them as equals you know it's like with with hitler and and jews um he didn't well he hated them and because of extremely crazy reasons that didn't make any sense and he used them as a scapegoat and they weren't uh you know he rallied millions and millions of germans around that that cause and it allowed this environment to take place, take hold. Yeah. The Jews were, you know, not only persecuted, but systematically killed. Um, not only Jews, but other, you know, minority groups as well in Germany. Yep. But, most, but mostly Jews. And um, that's kind of like what is happening in Children of Men. I mean, it's not like they're all getting genocided. It's not that. I mean, it's not to that level of evil, but it's certainly not good either way, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it was an it was an incredible film to watch. I I, I must say, um, really, absolutely stunning. Um, yeah. That that's sort of what I got there. But, so, I mean, it 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 doesn't play with any of the predictability. I mean, we we've kind of spoiled a little bit of it for you, but like, you know, never. I wasn't expecting each of the leads. You know, knowing three actors' names going into this, wasn't expecting two of them to be dead halfway through. You know, yeah, it yeah. kind of destroys that that you know idea of the the stunt cast like you know i'm gonna throw out an example ant-man and the wasp from mark mm -hmm. it you know it kind of was automatically foreshadowed that we would see this guy again and see him as the villain when we see lawrence fishburn as this like random professor that Michael Douglas used to uh, hang out with or something like that. Like you don't bring in Lawrence Fishburne for like a one-off scene in which he says, well, I really can't help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because you know, that you're kind of spoiling it yourself by just casting somebody like that. Right. Uh, and it, it it's the subtle ways that, you know, a filmmaker can, you know, influence the audience expectations and keep the audience in suspense and keep them guessing just by saying by understanding the star power that you have and by controlling the story 
to keep them guessing as to what will happen. Because, you know, if, if, if this was a stereotypical movie, Julian and Theo would get together at the end. They would be on the boat together with Key mm-hmm. and the baby, and they'd be on their way off to a brave new future. Yeah. This is no, that doesn't happen at all. <laughs> it does not happen at all. But despite that, I mean, the ending is still pretty happy. I mean, the Agreed. ending is is very hopeful. I mean, you literally hear children laughing, playing, like the sounds that you would hear on a playground. Absolutely. And it's, oh my God, it's so beautiful. I mean, oh my, what an ending. That like, because you see children and men and then you hear the, the, the sounds. I mean, it's just so powerful. But like Theo dies, he gets shot by Luke. Passed out. He's not dead yet. <laughs> but He's uh, dead. yeah. But but um, he gets gets picked up by the Human Project, and that's yeah. how the film ends. And yeah, I mean, it's God. It's so powerful. I mean, the film is amazing. It's amazing. It's really solid. I think. I think it's one of the best films of the century. Yeah. I think Fair. I'd say I'd say top three. That's okay. Wow. Yeah. Do you have the other two on your on your on hand? Yeah, there will be blood and yee yee. Ooh. Yee yee right in two thousand, right? Yeah. 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 Ooh. Interesting. 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 So <laughs> ending with a little bit of spice here on the cinematic Odyssey. Yeah. How about that? Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't know you were capable of such spice, such zest. But that's not that's not, that's not really a hot take, is it? That's I mean, I feel like that's I feel like that's a hot take. I mean, at least, the, at least for those to pick those three. Mm. I mean, there will be blood is like consistently in a lot of people's like tops for the century. Yeah. But we'll have to get there. We'll have to get there. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. There we of go. Course. I mean, we're getting through all of PTA <laughs> eventually. <laughs> yeah. Eventually. But yeah, I mean, I adore this film. I. Children of Men, I I will never get tired of it. And I'm just, you know, waiting for the day, whenever that day will come, when, you know, the Criterion Collection will eventually release this. If they'll ever get the rights to this film to, to do a remaster, I don't know when that day will come, if it will ever come. I mean, at this point, I might just might as well just buy it on Blu-ray. <laughs> I mean, at this point, might as well. So, yeah. What would you rate it out of five? What would I? I think before having more of the discussion on the government's treatment of others, I would probably have been closer to like a three and a half, four. I think this is probably four, four and a half territory. Oh, okay. I think this is it. Yeah. Okay. I think this is that good. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, and I, I, I do, I find this, 
I think five star for me are movies that not only do everything right, uh-huh. but also that I liked and like really enjoyed and are like in my favorites kind of area. I think four and a half is more of the realm of this is an excellent movie. Yeah. And, and, and one that should be seen. Okay. Okay. I think, I think there's, I think there's more respect to be had for a four and a half than a five. I see. I see. Okay. But that's just my opinion. Yeah. 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 It's not like you gave it a two or something. (laughs) Then I'd have a problem. Yeah. No. (laughs) Or a one, God forbid. Thank goodness. I'd be like, uh, are you crazy? Uh, not yet. Eventually. <laughs> oh man. But we yeah. F- What's that? I said, but we did it. I know. I forget. I forget when I when. I, I mean, I mean, it's Alfonso Cuaron. So the guy. I mean, the guy. The guys made this. Itamaba Tambien, which is yep. also amazing. Have you seen Itamaba Tambien? I've not. Yeah, that that film's incredible. It's Roma, also incredible. Prisoner of Azkaban, which is the best Harry Potter film. That is correct. Yeah. It is. And then it's not a debate. There is no debate to be had. Okay, that's just facts. Absolutely true. And then he made Gravity, which I haven't seen. Ooh. And I know that I know that one's a little bit more polarizing, like in terms of like, or it's mixed, I guess, like the reception to to that film. But yeah, I think I think Children of Men is his best film. I think that's his best film by far. And then I would say Roma. And then Itomama Tambien and Harry Potter, um, Prisoner of Azkaban. I mean, it is. The, I, I I must say, it is the best Harry Potter, Harry Potter film. Yeah, like, yeah, without a doubt. No, well, of course, yes, without a doubt, one thousand percent. Yeah, yeah. Bingo. All right. Well, you know, for those that are listening, if you haven't seen it, please go watch it. I know you gotten it spoiled for you already if you listen to this whole thing and haven't seen it before but i i plead you to go watch it i beg please go watch it you will not regret it it's not even that long it's only an hour and 40 minutes yeah yeah it's pretty short it's pretty short so i won't take up much of your day i please beg you please go watch this film please please go watch it Um, but yeah, that's uh, that's children of men, Alfonso Cuarón. Any last thoughts? I'm out. All right, well, um, thanks for everybody that has been listening, have been listening. Um, as far as next week is concerned, I guess we'll figure it out as we usually do. (laughs) We'll figure these things out. Um, uh, but yeah. Um, hopefully we'll be getting on a more, I mean, it's been two straight weeks, so that's been oh, good. Yeah. Um, cause I know again, we had that kind of that month and a half where we kind of didn't post anything because, you know, we were both busy. 
we we couldn't we couldn't have time we couldn't find time to do anything so now 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 it's looking as we get closer to i know when you start school soon in like what two weeks yeah something like that two and a half weeks okay nice and um yeah because once you're in in that like kind of very cemented schedule you'll you'll find time yeah exactly yeah to do this more regularly but um yeah this has been the cinematic odyssey this has been alfonso cuaron's children of men forever <laughs>